Hey friends, you're listening to Worst Show Ever. I'm here with Johnny Five. We're here in Denver, Colorado, at his house. Uh, there's possibly the cutest dog I've seen in a very long time roaming around named Cheeto. Thank you. On his uh, behalf. <laughs> he's not worried about it. He, he knows, he knows yeah. how cute he is. I if you hear some snorting, that's him. It's, it's actually <laughs> called a reverse sneeze. And it's, <laughs> his breed uh, deal, deals with that. Yeah, maybe the smallest dog I've ever seen. Uh, he's, he's teeny tiny. He's um, the smallest I've seen. Okay. Yeah, he's got an Instagram too. I don't mean to plug things off the bat. But, uh, <laughs> Cheeto. At Cheeto the, the dog. <laughs> Double E. Good deal. So uh, we were just talking. I We haven't met in person before, but I've been a fan for a very long time. Uh, I got a tape of yours in, I want to say like 1999 or so, some, somewhere around there. Right. And, a uh, tape that we don't like people to even know exists anymore. Okay, I won't yeah. mention the name. No, it's fine. It's fine. No. But I... Uh, there's, there, there's very few of them out there now. So. Right. So that's, that record doesn't exist like digitally. No, it never. It didn't make it into the digital age. Okay. Except for I think maybe you emailed me of some files well, of it digitally. No, no. I, Somebody I think did. I asked. I think sometime maybe ten years ago or more, I wrote you on MySpace to mm-hmm. see if it existed somewhere to get it because I think I wore my tape out pretty bad. <laughs> I think it might. I think it might happen now. Maybe after this, I'll get you copies. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. <laughs> But playing the Flowbots, um, do solo stuff, and I'm curious to hear your worst show ever. Well, you know, when you asked me that, right away I start thinking of just things that can be bad about shows. So for a long time I've done workshops and things at schools and auditorium. You know, yeah. I'll, I'll go and do an assembly or do an event, and I had this like little sheet um, that I would give to the teacher beforehand and say, can you just fill this out? And it would say things like, how many people will there be? How long do you want me to perform for? Um, but I kept having to add things. Like every time something would go wrong, I'd say, okay, well, not just is there a microphone and is there a sound system and can it play a beat at the same time, but also if you start rapping, will the beat suddenly like gradually turn off? <laughs> because that happened at one point. <laughs> okay. So have you checked to see that both can happen at the same time? I once was invited to give a, to do some, some songs at the end of a, um, an event that involved like celebrating a group of, of young people who were participating in a program and it was in the gym, and I knew it would be bad. Um, just bad sound-wise. Yeah, just, you know, it sucks to do things in the gym. Yeah. So I had already budgeted in, like, this is going to, you know, this is low budget. It's just with the gym mic. You probably won't be able to hear the beat very well. But what I hadn't imagined is that in the same gym while the event was happening, that there would also be a basketball team rehearsing. Oh, like practice? <laughs> on the court. Like, on the court, there was, like, this happened the court. There was a basketball team. Like, practicing. Like, practicing. Dribbling, like, like not just one ball, either. It was, like, everybody had a ball. <laughs> so, um, I was like, all right, well, this is, I didn't even think to ask that. It's always whatever you didn't think to ask. Yeah, that's gonna funny. The unknown unknowns. Right. Right, right, right. right. So, and then that event, I mean, it, luckily, after a few minutes, they actually got the basketball team to stop rehearsing. The event starts... And so it's a celebration of kids who've been through this one particular program who are now graduating. And, you know, it's put on by someone who is a wonderful person, does this program, is not an event coordinator. That's not their okay. specialty. Right, right. Certainly not a concert promoter. Right. Um, <laughs> and, you know, so go, first of all, it's about 25 people and people are sitting on the bleachers, but like all the way to the left and all the way to the right. And you know how high school kids like... <laughs> You're not just going to come in and like all sit together. You all, everyone sits and tries to be cool. And you yeah. know, so people are sitting like 30 people spread out 
all the way to the left and all the way to the right is the bleachers that are made for like, you know, 500 people to sit right. on. <laughs> and no one does anything to change that. So the event starts and there's like a, you know, like a 400 foot span between the person on the left, person on the right, and everyone in between. And they do some awards and then they have some speakers. They have a speaker who comes up, you know, from the community college, um, tells her personal story. It's about 25 minutes. So it's been about 55 minutes in this gym of people speaking. <laughs> yeah. And, um... It's gone on way too long, and it's clearly the time, like, it's, it's time to be over. And I'm just thinking, you know, I was going to do four songs and this other exercise and talk a little bit. Yeah. People just want to leave. It's time to be done, you know. I'll just, I'll just go do one quick song and be out of here. And then I thought, you know what? I don't want to go out like that. Like, just because it was poorly thought through on their end, I don't right. want to just not do anything. I, right. I'm just going to do it. Whatever happens, I'm doing the full thing. So finally, it's like people are falling asleep and, and kind of just tuning out. They can't even hear it, you know, because they're really far away. And I finally got up there, you know, it was my turn to go, and I just said, okay, um, first of all, can I get everybody to come and sit in the middle? I want everyone right here, and then just to kind of take charge of the setting and yeah. do the gig. And so, uh, in the end, I got everyone in the middle and did like four, did all the songs, and um, and it ended up being actually really, really satisfying to like take this really bad scenario right. and just decide, you know what, I'm, I'm in charge, so I can, I can right. make the most of this. Um, so that was one story that came to mind. Right. But not, like, not the worst show. That's maybe not the worst show. But just, I could see what you mean. Now... Can I tell you another worst moment, though? Sure. Well, I had a question. Oh, yeah, sure, sure. Um, so, I mean, you are... I don't know how you think of yourself in these terms, but, like, I think of you as... I mean, you're a rapper, but you're also an activist. Mm-hmm. And, like, usually those kind of go together for you, yeah? Right. So, like, that kind of situation seems particular to sort of doing music in situations that are... Like you were saying, the the people who put it together are not, they're not promoters. Right. That the music isn't really their main thing. Yeah. But you're also doing something that, in a way, has this, has this reach to 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 people that are right. not just. Going so you're to basically describing the perfect recipe for many bad gigs. Well, I could. Well, I just realized because <laughs> I'm just thinking of two more now. Okay. Yeah. 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 Bring it. Yeah. I want to share two other moments. You can. Totally, you totally. take them or leave them, but and then I think I might have it. I might have the one. So one of the other moments is just being invited to perform for the uh, the City of Denver Municipal Employee Brunch that was okay. happening in Civic Center Park. Okay. Now, Civic Center Park in Denver is this kind of like wide open, you know, stone amphitheater that is right in this, you know, which where all the big protests happen, all the big, certain big events happen. It's one of these venues that if it's full, it feels great. And if it's anything short of full, it feels empty. Okay. Like, and everyone sits really far, and there's okay. this wide kind of area in the in the front where if there's not enthusiastic people standing, it's just this chasm between you and the audience. Gotcha. And people gotcha. are just sitting bored about 100 feet away. Right. Um, so this was the employee appreciation brunch for the city of Denver, and I was asked to come perform because I'd done some things at the library, and I'm, I'm still grateful that I got to go there, and I was being paid. Yeah. Which, if I had it, this would have really been the worst gig ever. <laughs> but um, as I went to perform, just nobody cared. Like, people were there for the brunch. They weren't there to watch a performance. They were there to get food. It was hot. It was, like, high noon. And okay. the best I could do to even just find what seemed, kind, you know, some, like, multiple people in the same place was to go over to where people were waiting in line, like, for the bathrooms and kind of perform to that clump of people. Okay. Um, so that, that was pretty bad. <laughs> wait, wait. You started out on stage and then just... It felt like too far away, so you... Maybe they were waiting in line for food, but they were definitely not not accumulating to see me. They were just... Everyone was... I was not what people were there for. But you're saying there is a stage area, and instead of performing there... Well, I... There was... 
within the within the amphitheater, there was also the table where people could get food. Oh, so it was okay. as if there was like it was set up for people to both eat and like listen to music. Gotcha. Basically, any time where where like you treat rap like it's gonna be good background music, it's, <laughs> it, the rest of, it's you're doomed to fail. Okay. Um, yeah. Where there's a music festival in Uganda, and this was an incredible opportunity to get to go to Uganda, and we were performing, you know, in this this tiny town called Kabali. This is Flowbox. This is actually just this was just me with a kind of a, a group of musicians that were brought to sort of team up with Uganda musicians to do this show that was designed to like get people destigmatize HIV testing, so people would come okay. to the show, you know, and is in this relatively smaller city in southern Uganda, and at the show they could get tested. So it's a really good cause. It had happened the year before, gone relatively smoothly. Um, but the, all the power, it's, it's a huge, it was a huge, you know, official stage and all the power was coming from one, um, like, extension cord that was run out of like a municipal building like 400 feet away. Okay. So they just plugged it into that building and then ran the entire stage off of that. Right. Now, I'm not an expert in how power works, but I'm pretty sure that's like a bad, a bad recipe. Okay. Um, so, and, and then just to set the scene a little more, the vision between audience and backstage was there was a string tied that went for, you know, from the stage all the way to like a, a fence. It was in a soccer stadium. Okay. And so there's this huge crowd, and there was a string, just one, one like piece of rope kind of tied to, to mark the boundary. And then there were policemen that would walk back and forth with a stick, just like swatting up and down like a kid would. Like, like, if, like if, you're, if you're guarding like your half of the back seat, with your, and you're like, you can't go past here, you can't go past here. And they're just like swatting the stick back and forth. And if there's little kids there, they would just get hit with the stick. And like that, just swatting the air just, until just swatting the connects. swatting the air, just kind of drawing the line, making it clear you can't go past it. And they're just walking back and forth, back and forth, which worked actually pretty good to keep people out until it got dark, and then no one could see anything. So basically, the whole audience just came backstage, ate food, and it was fine. There's a lot of food; it worked out. Okay. Um, but that's just to set the scene a little bit. Then, right, you know, a few songs before, I'm supposed to do this collaboration with some other people. I'm standing next, you know, on the side of the stage and looking at the audience and this group of. American musicians is getting set up um, to play like country songs and like covers of like Ugandan folk songs, all okay. of which I think were probably received as very strange to the audience there, but they were, yeah. I think, curious what this was. Wait, American musicians who are doing covers of Ugandan folk songs? A, 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 a montage of different things, but one of them was okay. that, like some Ugandan songs. It, it was The whole thing was this collaboration between musicians from the United States, okay. traditional Ugandan musicians from this area, and then like the big pop stars from... Uh, from Kampala that had come down to do this show. Okay. And that's the real draw was the Kampala pop stars. Okay. But um, two things happened that are definitely the most horrifying moment I've experienced at a show. The first wasn't that bad, but the first was that there was a set of sparks just started going, you know, while they're up there, there's sparks at the top of the stage. Okay. And you just see the sparks. And then I hear someone going, power shut down, power shut down. And they went and shut down the power. American musicians are still kind of getting set up. There's some conversation, things are happening. And then I was looking at the audience, and I heard the whole audience go, <gasps> and then I heard, boom. Sorry, sorry, Cheeto. I just, I just scared my dog. I was just really scared. He was my not dog. ready for that. I should have slapped in his face. <laughs> so I hear the audience gasp, and I, and I hear this thud. And when I turned around, there was a guy on the stage convulsing at the very back of the stage. Oh, shit. And everyone was rushing to him and then carried him off. In an ambulance, and 
what I hadn't seen happen is that one of the stage folks had climbed up the metal scaffolding to go check on what happened with the power. Okay. But while he was up there, there was it was still full of electricity, full of charge. So he'd been 30 feet in the air and gotten, uh, I would have learned, gotten shocked, not okay. electrocuted. Because if you get electrocuted, it means you're killed. Oh. If you get shocked, it means you did not... Did not Okay. Yeah, I didn't know. I learned the difference between the word shock and electrocuted okay. because about 30 minutes later, 45 minutes later, we got word that he had survived. Okay. But he had been shocked in front of everyone and then fallen 30 feet. Fuck. In front of this like 4,000 person audience. Right. Fuck. <laughs> so, we, I mean, I didn't see it, but we were all traumatized. Yeah. And I was ready just to quit. Like, this is, you know, once that's happened, you don't really want to do the gig. Right. Um, but gradually, I mean, especially as we got word that he was okay and people were able to work out the power situation, we went and ended up doing the show. So it was not the worst gig ever. Now, wait, did they, when you say worked out the power, did like, meaning not drawing it all from this? <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember what happened. I have no idea how we I guess to I, work. I, because I feel like you would only do that normally if you needed to. I assume they... Yeah. I don't know. We, there was power for the rest of the show. Okay. I don't know, and I don't know why. How I was convinced to get up on stage. <laughs> right. I mean, the mics. You know, I probably kept my mouth a little bit away from them. <laughs> right. Um, but I mean, he was lucky that he had fallen, because otherwise, if he had just, you know, his body probably tensed up and, and was starting to cling to the metal, and I think the fact that he fell is what got him away from the electricity. Oh man. Um, so that's ter- that's certainly the worst moment. That I've ever right. had. Like the show that itself show. was. The show was still cool. kind of good though. But. <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> um, but I do have a theory for. This is worst show ever, but I don't know. It's probably not that interesting because it's probably something people have faced, but I'll title this one. This is the, the show um, after which I was no longer allowed to ever book shows for us. Okay. <laughs> so this is early in the Flowbots. Um, the modern Flowbots beginnings in 2005. Okay. You so, say modern Flowbots because Flowbots before that was... There was a high school version of Flowbots. Okay. Um, that okay. The tape that you have is from the old, yeah. the old days. And their Flowbots was you and one other rapper? It was... Uh, it it shifted large... over time. It started out, I was kind of the... There was two friends of mine. They were kind of the primary two rappers and two others of us kind of... So there was kind of four of us for a little bit. Okay. Um, the tape you have is what, Reindeer Game? No, it's called Everybody Raps. Oh, Everybody Raps. Yeah, that was just a, my solo project. But there's a. But there was even song, before that, there were two songs. There's one song on that called. Uh, Simon's, Simon's Baptism. Th- yeah. With Samara on it. Yeah. yeah. Baptist. And that's the only one I think that you talk about Flowbots. Or whatever. Right, right, right. The name Flowbots. So yeah. I assumed that Flowbots was the two of you, that's but I didn't know. Interesting. Yeah, it was. He, we, were, we were two of the four who had been on the very first tape. Which was 1996. Okay. We don't like to talk about that. Ten years later, <laughs> the modern flow bus started out say in 2004, okay. um, and really in 2005. Now, like as a, band, as, as a band, as a band, yeah. Like a live, 2004, live uh, I hit up my friend uh, Stefan, um, who was on one of the early flow bus tapes and was part of that whole crew of people. And then he and I kind of decided we we reignite the flow bus. Um, met uh, a viola player named Mackenzie. Met some DJs. Tried out DJs for a while, and then. Talked to our friend Andy, who had a band. We combined with his band, shuffled around a little bit, and by 2005, um, we had a like the lineup for a band. And yeah. So the modern version of Flowbots with a live band was formed. Pretty soon after that, you know, I was always committed to the band being engaged in local politics in different ways. Yeah. And trying to help with different social movements. 
So probably one of the most boring social movements that has existed in Colorado is one that's very necessary, but it's around this thing called Tabor. It's this law that was passed in the 90s by someone who kind of hates government and is himself actually now in jail for like assaulting somebody, I believe. But it was it was this law that like made us you had to vote on every single tax increase. It could never be done by oh, representatives. Heard about this. Okay. And so he passed this law, and without going into all the boring details, it was it did a good job of kind of like crippling the the the, the government's ability to actually like um, you know independently allocate revenue how it needed to be done. Right. And it also conflicted with some other things that passed around like funding for education. So it was just this like glitch in the government that people then realized they needed to fix. So 2005 was this effort to pass referendum C and D, which would fix or address the, the issues caused by the Tabor Amendment okay. in the Colorado Constitution. Right. So already you're probably falling asleep just listening well, to Well, I'm actually interested in this because this is, this is one of those things where you're like, I hear what you're saying. It's not super flashy. It's not right. as obvious of an atrocity as something like kids in cages or yeah. like overturning Roe v. Wade, but it's like, it still ends up having massive effects. Yeah. Any other issue, it would be easier to rally people around. <laughs> right. I mean, this is like... I mean, even the way he passed the, the amendment was because it sounds intuitively like a good thing. Yeah, we should have to vote every time they raise our taxes. We should get to vote on every tax increase. Because the people almost never will elect to have right. higher taxes. And the election's either. only happy to ever so often, and there's a right. lot of things that need to be funded. Um, yeah. So, you know, there's, we, we could do a whole hour on Tabor. Um, <laughs> and, you know, there's thing, this thing called the ratchet effect, which means if the economy goes down for one year, um, then suddenly the, 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 it's a formula. So you can't actually increase um, the, the budget any higher than it was that year. So it could be way up here. And then there's suddenly a, a recession, for example. And yeah. then now the total spending of the state has to go back down to that and start from there every year, even if that year was a fluke. Okay. Even if you're taking in huge amounts of revenue from like a, a really fast-growing population like Colorado. So what it meant was people were getting checks back from the government, like your Tabor refund at the end of each year, which a lot of people like. Yeah. So anyway, there was this effort um, to deal with Tabor in 2005. Right. And there was this good idea to do this thing called the Colorado Walk, where lawmakers, Democrats and Republicans, that all wanted to address this would do this march you know, across the state to, to like rally people towards this. And okay. I thought, this sounds like a great idea. A yeah. march, you know? Yeah. I imagine there was really this march happening. I don't know if there was a march happening, but I imagine there was like a huge march of people. Um, and then I got word that one of the people involved really liked Flowbots. We were just starting out and they, they wanted us to play the Colorado Walk, it was called. Okay. So they reached out. We said, you know, we'd be happy to do it. They booked the King Center in, um, in Fort Collins, which is like... I think it holds maybe 1,600 people. Okay. It's where they have like performance. It's the, the, the university puts on their different like performing arts type celebrations. There. Okay. And, you know, we got ready to do the event. We knew our bass player was like going to be coming in on a plane that night, I think. Okay. Um, and we weren't sure if he'd make it. So I think we had we had to have a different bass player who would be on hand. Um, but we're like, we're going to do it. We're going to make it work. Yeah. It's going to happen. So we, we went to great lengths to like be able to do the show. And... And we got to the gig, and there's sixty. You know, there's a sixteen hundred person capacity event. Talked to the organizers, said, "How did the march go?" Oh, you know, there's less people than we wanted, but it was still, it was good. Um, yeah, we should have some folks coming tonight. Um, but there weren't actually any people at that point. Okay. And then I got closer to the show, and the first band was about to go on. Our friends, and when they started, 
there was no people still. It was completely empty. Like zero people or like very, very few? Well, we I was there. Like it, <laughs> I was there because we were about to perform. Yeah. So, so yeah, there was no people. Like, I mean, there was us. So there weren't, there weren't I people was, who were there like not to perform but to... Well, there was the organizer. Right. <laughs> and then there were several yeah, other people. I weren't sure if they were organizers or like if they were like, you know, spouses of the band before us. Right. So there was a few people I would look. I was kind of looking at people like, "Are you an audience member? Maybe like you might count." Oh, who's that sitting down over there? Oh wait, no, that is my bass player. You know. Right. So I was really on the lookout for like, are there any audience members? <laughs> then, like I said, I think maybe our bass player had to rush in from the airport just in time, or we had a different bass player. But either way, we were we had been very nervous, and the people started to realize we didn't need to be nervous about being able to play. We need to be nervous about if there's going to be an audience. Right. Finally, um, yeah, it shifted, and it was our, it was our turn to play. The and other band plays to nobody, or they to, like, just basically to you guys nobody. And the, the organizers. Yeah, and then we started to play, and then I, I looked out, and then I, definitively, I was looking, and I could for sure count how many people were in the audience, because I knew the other the other band was kind of around, like other oh, standing back there, and in the very front row of the sixteen hundred person capacity place, there were two people. Okay. <laughs> sitting down watching the show um, and we did a show we performed and no no one ever no one else ever showed up no additional people showed up just those two people and at the end of the show like I found out who the two people were one of them maybe doesn't count because he was actually part of the Colorado Walk he was one of the organizers his name okay. was Repre- Representative Steve Johnson Republican okay. of Fort Collins okay. <laughs> <laughs> one of the people one of the Republicans who supported overturning Tabor okay. um, or addressing Tabor and it was actually kind of cool to meet him the other audience member was a guy um, named Ross from a band called Matson Jones who was uh, a friends of friends at that point and was a band I really really respected Yeah. and so I was kind of like alright those are pretty cool audience members <laughs> but it was Still, two people in a sixteen hundred capacity venue, um, which just shows that like somebody had a combination of too much power and not nearly enough. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, there's a certain that's where you start to value the pecking order of uh, and the the kind of cutthroatness of traditional music industry venues. Is that like no promoter would put together a show with a sixteen hundred person venue right. that only two people would come to. <laughs> right. It would never make it to that point. Well, who's paying for the venue? Like, I don't even know if any money was exchanged hands by anyone. I think that's okay. the problem. I think they got the venue through the university, through okay. the connection there. We did we did it for free. Yeah. Um, I don't think there was any sound people, or maybe there were the people who worked for the venue. Right. But I guess but, that's what I mean. Is like in the in the private sector, if you wanted to book a show, yeah, <laughs> it would cost a lot of money. Yeah. And so then you have to ask yourself, can I make this money? Can I make enough money to pay for the thing that I'm trying? Right. To do? Right. 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 And I mean, this is a thing that comes up on this show a lot where. For those of us doing smaller shows, there's still always this question of like, does the venue put the entire risk at the hands of the artist or do they bear some of that risk? Because, you, you know, even if things are well promoted, sometimes the show doesn't go well and people don't right, show up right, or, right, you right. know, whatever. That happens. But if you play a bar, even with like a 100% or 100 person capacity or 50 per- person capacity, if nobody shows up, and the band or the artist, you know, drove and spent $100 that day on food and fuel, but makes no money. Right. You know, then that's a lot shittier for them than the bar that's like, they sold some 
some alcohol, but yeah, didn't make that as much money as they hoped either. But right, there's right. always this question of like some venues take it upon themselves to make sure that the the person coming there from another town doesn't doesn't lose money to get there. Whereas yeah. like some folks just are like, yeah, that's kind of on you. And right, right, right. Yeah, but yeah, in this situation, I feel like if it was anything other than a a, a sort of publicly organized thing somebody would say no we, we can't we can't right. do that unless yeah. we have some reason to believe that people will come you need some naysayers in the mix right sure <laughs> um hang i thought of another one that i think is worse i think worse okay well it's just um all right one of the things that like frustrates me a lot of times is when people like don't respect the protocol and procedure at least a little bit you know I, I don't mind people like hit us up individually like hey we want to see if we can do the show with you but at a certain point you're supposed to go through the right the proper channels right okay so there was a show that I had just uh, kind of just a bad vibe about from the very beginning like the the person is very well intentioned and, and and kind I think but like right always I was like we should stay away from this project whatever it is okay and like people with good intentions but very very vague intentions who also want everyone to hop on their bandwagon it really drives me crazy sure sure especially in the world where activism and music meets I've learned to be very wary of that because people can have a lot of enthusiasm a lot of belief in their own project but not the skills to pull it off or not the um, even the rigor to figure out if it's going to be good and I've been that person Sure. <laughs> Early well, on, I was that person, well, I so I can't be too upset about it. But but also, I can see where you mean where this happens in activism. But I think also you're in a you're in that zone of like like you guys have done pretty well. And people think we're magic. They're like, all right, we get you guys, then we got everyone. You know, right, like, no, right. you got us. You only have bands who want to perform with us. Maybe you can use our name or something. But but I just you might think it, you have a magical solution. And, and so done. like obviously, magic is too is too strong a word. But I mean, I just mean in the vast spectrum of bands and artists and how mm-hmm. folks are doing in terms of success, like you guys are better than a lot mm-hmm. as far as like you, you've, I don't know, I've heard you on the radio. Right, right. Like we, we had our, like, we've had our bit of yeah. uh, access to and I, platforms. Yeah, and, and there's a lot of this, I guess, whether you call it like gold digging or call it, you know, mm-hmm. star fucking or whatever. But right. like, there's a lot of folks who think, okay, if I want to get bigger, it means I have to latch on to somebody who's, who I think is big, right, right, and right. And then they'll, and then right. I'll have the exposure or whatever, and like that's a pretty common. Well, and with when it's just music though, that kind of like works itself out because people reach out, and then you know I'm not big on in general in life on hierarchies, but there's something about it where it's like, oh, you're reaching out, okay. Well, how many tickets can we sell? How many tickets do you sell? Is yeah. this worth it for everybody, or is you know like is right, it just right. going to cancel itself out? Should we do this or not? Right. Um, people can kind of make that calculus and know what they're in for. Okay. But I think when it's mixed medium and it's like, no, we're doing this activist thing. I see what you're saying. You know, we get reached out to a lot for different political things and someone reached out for an interview. They're putting together this big um, event around third parties. They wanted to like really Mm. highlight the role of third parties in the 2016 election. Okay. And they wanted to have, they did this, wanted to do this music festival. I guess they had done one in the past. And we said, well, we could do an interview. I don't think we could be part of the music festival. Um, and so we got this interview set up and in the middle of the interview, you know, we're doing an interview like it's pretty well, pretty like professionally set up with camera here and some lighting and we're all seated on some, you know, it's a video interview. We're seated on a couch. Yeah. Um, doing the interview, just kind of talking our take on third parties. And personally, I was trying to walk a fine line because I didn't really, 
I think third parties can have a valuable place, but I, I don't like sort of um, worshiping them as, as the primary solution. And I think they can be obviously strategically utilized for devious yeah. purposes. Um, so anyway, we're having a conversation. And then towards the end of the interview, the, the, the interviewer starts to say, well, that's why, you know, we're having our, our big festival this fall and we really would love for you all to play it. <laughs> and this is the uh, one we'd already told them no we're not we can't play it <laughs> we said oh okay well on, on cameras well you know th- thanks for the invitation yeah I think we actually are like we mentioned busy that day but uh, we do appreciate the invitation like okay well it would just mean so much if you could a whole lot of people uh, were geez. and she starts listing the other people <laughs> who are like going to be performing there and, wait is this live or is this this is live oh, or no sorry it's not live but this is live, you know, being but, recorded but they're going to like, well, play this we're not going <laughs> to why are we talking about this on camera like do, like email us or actually you did email us and we said we couldn't do it right um but then somehow in the next few months like different people in the band talked to her some and it kind of they fig- they figured out they had some budget not for the band but maybe for sound equipment that we could sort of like combine it and we were going to do these other shows so we we somehow like got into a conversation about should we just go ahead and do it okay there was going to be a the, the festival was going to be like a debate between all the third party candidates which sounded, you know, like it could be interesting. It was going to be um, in Colorado, and there'll be one of the Marleys was involved. Okay. Not one that you could name, but like one <laughs> of them, like for sure with the last name Marley. Um, it kind of seemed like it's going to be on a college campus. Maybe there'll be a bunch of college students there. Yeah. We can play like a 15-minute set and get ready for our other shows that were coming up. No, wait, was this in Colorado? This is in Colorado. Okay. So... In that conversation, I still was just like, I just don't have a good feeling about this person. Okay. Like, but people were kind of like, no, this is it's it's worth it. We're gonna get us. We need some money. We'll get a little money. We'll get ready for these other shows. You know, why wouldn't we do it? Yeah, and I'm like, all right, well, I don't, I can't name that strong a reason why we wouldn't do right. it. Um, but it's the it, this was the first show of like what was gonna be a month of shows. Okay, and I think it was a new combination of players. So it was going to be setting the tone, which in retrospect, that would have been why I would have said we shouldn't do it. <laughs> right. Now, did the other folks also feel cornered in that interview situation or was that... I think I, I think something about this person like rubbed me especially wrong in a way that she didn't rub other people wrong. Okay. Like it's a, it's a personality type that I really don't gel with. Um, okay. And other people don't mind as much. And so, I feel like that, what you described as they already asked you, you said no, thanks. Still want to help, but no, we can't play it. And then to ask you on the show, on the yeah. interview. On the interview that's... I mean, I'm highlighting the things that I didn't like. Yeah. I think this person also had conversations with uh, you know another band member and that maybe connected in some ways around certain intentions and things. Okay. So, you know, and I think one thing we always are trying to do is like look for people that are kind of in the process of like becoming leaders in different ways. Right. And like I said, I was this person. Like I, in college emailed Boots from the band The Coup was just like we're going to have a huge music festival can you come I didn't offer money I I was just like this is so well intentioned I emailed Billy Wimsat from uh, you know the League of Pissed Off Voters or at the time he'd written a book called Bomb the Suburbs and just said I had this huge plan we're going to start this organization have a giant hip hop festival it's hip hop and activism all combined we're going to get every organization in Providence and just cold email so I I was this person I was the a way more inflated version of this person in college. Right. So I can't... That's probably why I get annoyed by right, that. Because right, it's right. me. It's exactly it. who you I was. Well, um, and, and because that's someone who you were. And then, I'm going to guess, you moved away from not accidentally, right? Like, that's... Because I feel no, like I was also that person yeah. to some degree. But then you make... When you when you notice it in yourself, you're like, oh, I shouldn't make 
promises I can't keep. Or I mean, honestly, what happened is other people educated me. People okay. wrote me, Billy, right. pe- several people took the time to write back and say, hey, I saw the email you sent out. That's really great intentions, but um, a lot of times people are going to respond, and an organization will respond if they have a relationship already with you. That's why you need to build relationships so that when you right. do hold an event, um, then you have a sense of what their organizational interests are and what yours are and how right. you can. So, and, you know, Billy Wimsat reached back and said, this is a great idea. I can't myself do your idea because I'm already pretty busy with stuff, but you could do it if you put these steps into place. So, right. and Boots even wrote back and said, we're a great band. We, we require money to come there. We'll play for two or three hours. We'll have a solid lineup. If you can get some budget at university yeah. um, to bring us out, we would love to come out. So right. I'm very grateful for those folks. Totally. So I think in general, I still try to be, to recognize that that is me. Um, okay. This person, I think, still maybe a little different version of that. Yeah. And um, also feels like closer to my age. Maybe would have known a little better. And I, I don't <laughs> like when people don't respect things that you're clearly saying right there in the moment. Yeah. Um, but we got to the venue, and it was on a college campus. School was in session. I don't know what type of advertising they did on campus, but there weren't people there. Okay. Um, <laughs> the Marley who was there was like super sick. Oh. And we were, we part of the arrangement was we were going to perform, get up, stand up with him. Okay. So it was like him performing his dad's song when he's sick. And he still sounded good, but, you know, it's just sort of a strange thing to be like, <laughs> all of us kind of like writing on the coattails about Marley. Well, that's what I was going to say. Even, even that is a good example. That's like a good, uh, it's an illustration of what you're talking about where like we got a Marley. Yeah. Not Ziggy, not, mm-hmm. you know. Definitely not Bob, but mm-hmm. somebody who is only famous because he's Bob Marley's son. Right. Like, that's why he's here. Right, right. And hopefully that will get people out. Yeah. Just... Now, the, and then there was also a live stream. We were told there's going to be thousands of people on the live stream. Um, we're in this auditorium. It's probably got 20 or 25 people there okay. in this giant auditorium. So very reminiscent of, the, of shows where there's no people. But to me, actually, the worst part, the least satisfying part was that this entire organization was all about um, third parties, right? Yeah. And I remember thinking, well, this will still be kind of cool. Like, I have a lot of respect for Jill Stein. Yeah. Um, you know, I, Gary Johnson's the libertarian candidate from 2016 is kind of a goofball, but it might be interested, interesting to see him. And I don't remember who the American Constitution Party person was, but those are kind of the, the big, the yeah. prominent three um, third parties that year. Well, it became clear like they didn't have third party candidates. Not that they said, "Oh, we don't have the ma- we don't have the major ones." And then, as I was talking oh. to the organizer, it was clear, "Oh, a lot of them have been actually real fickle with us, and they've been really difficult to work with." And <laughs> so, it became clear none of the third, like the, none of the actual real third party candidates that anyone had a chance of having heard of were even there. So they did have. They had like the crazy third party. They had like I don't know fourth party. I, if I could look up who they were, yeah, they didn't have the third, fourth, or fifth party. They had like the seventh party, ninth party, thirteenth party. Right. Like crazy people that just run like their ticket is the same as their name, you know. Right. It's like the Rocco Junior party. Who's the candidate, Rocco Junior? You know, like right. it was stuff like that. I'm like, oh. Even the people that are not, even the third party candidates, even like the Green Party and American Constitution Party and the Libertarians looked at this gig and were like, eh, they don't really have their shit together. Right. <laughs> and like, why are we here? Like, we're, we're standing at an event with like people, like conspiracy theory people, just like, right. like. Flat Earth Party? <laughs> probably, you know, like I, I shudder to think and look up who was actually in that room. There was a few of them. <laughs> but I'm like, how do we get duped into showing up for this thing that even they won't show up for? 
Um, I think the sound was bad too. You know, I think the show part of the show was also not good. I can't remember really what songs we did. Um, it was not a good. It, it did not set things off on the right foot for that tour. Um, the one, the one highlight, the one fun thing, yeah. which was also just weird, is that even though I had no people, had clearly not done good promotion. I heard later that kind of like suckered a lot of college students into pouring a lot of work into it, who then didn't get like. I don't know, it just felt very, like, used by the process yeah. in a way that I think was super crappy. Um, and I heard people even saying, like, that person is, that person, like, duped a lot of my friends into pouring energy into this. So even though they, like, had done all these things poorly, for some reason they had a makeup artist there. Okay. I mean, there was, there were TV cameras for the live stream, but it wasn't like, we were primarily, it wasn't like a TV show. Right. We were primarily doing, you know. It's a live show. A live show. Yeah. Maybe it was for the third, the sixth, the ninth party candidates. <laughs> but there was a makeup artist just sitting in the side room like, hey, do you want anything? And I was like, well, this is kind of fun. <laughs> so I went in and I, what did I have her do? Like, I, I think I had her like take out the gray in my beard. Okay. And just so I'd have like just a full, but no, my, our manager had like a full gray beard. He went and did that. I don't know. I remember just going and getting my makeup done, and that was like the highlight. <laughs> I just made up stuff for her to do. And I can't remember what I did. It must have been that. I must have gotten just the grays taken out, and then maybe some like, I don't know. I didn't get rouge, but I got maybe just a little foundation on the eyes or something. Okay. Um, and to me, that was like the most fun part of the night. <laughs> kind of play dress up a little bit. Yeah, you're like, yeah. hey, this is cool. You know, get my makeup done. That's nice. That's really awesome. So, I'm sure there's worse shows than that, but yeah, that one left a bad taste in my mouth. But the other thing is, I also felt very righteous afterward. Like, hey, maybe sometimes my gut and my intuition are right, and I should listen to them. Okay, right, right. And actually, in a really real way, where I realized like I wasn't actually valuing that, I was barely even in touch with that. You know that feeling you get like in your right. gut when you're like, I don't really know why I have this feeling, but I know that something about this feels wrong. Yeah. Um, and this wasn't, you know, this didn't, it, it, we were bummed out and annoyed by it. Still got paid yeah. a little something and it was still fine, you know? Yeah, yeah. But, but it I, was a bad experience and to me, I think that was actually the worst part of it of like having a gut feeling and then not really giving that gut feeling enough voice in the whole process right. and not even just within the band saying like, you know what, y'all, I can't say exactly why, but I just have a bad feeling about this. Because right. I think if I had said that, my bandmates would have respected that. They would have said, oh, if you have a bad feeling about it, we should explore that and we probably shouldn't do it. Okay. Um, so in, in some ways it was actually pivotal because I learned to like trust my gut. Do you find, I mean, this is something that comes up on the show every now and again, is that, um, I mean, do you ever have a really bad feeling about something and then it turns out fine? Um, probably. I mean, I think I'll get nervous about I'll get I'm, I can get anxious kind of easily so a few weeks ago there was um, a group of friends uh, this group of guys called the Peace Poets some amazing artists out of New York Yeah. and they do movement music and we do movement music and so people kept before we knew each other people were always telling about each other yeah. saying you gotta meet these guys the Peace Poets they've been working with artists to do um, you know to, they've been working with like activists to train them to sing songs they've been working with movement folks to get them to like sing together and do chants and they wrote a lot of the chants you might have heard in the streets and we'd met once before helped to kind of organize something for them when they came through and then got a call like a month and a half ago just hey we're going to come to Denver could we use a cool maybe we, we see you all then 
And then it became, was oh, cool, could we also maybe stay for a few days and work on some stuff? And I got, I got a feeling of like, feeling nervous, like, wait a second, this is going to be like three days where we're hosting. Yeah. I'm hosting in my house, and I didn't know if I could slow down enough to really, I didn't know what we were going to do. I didn't know the plan, and the absence of knowing it, I got nervous. Yeah, yeah. So if I'm not careful, I would confuse that feeling with the gut feeling. Okay. Like, I don't know what's going to happen, and I said yes without having the full plan. Right. But it turned out it was just utterly fulfilling and wonderful. I mean, we, right. made, we made music together. We all got to know each other more as people. Right. We, like, I just felt happier being around people and community. Yeah. So there was a time where I thought oh, I should have said no to that. Right. And I think it's learning how to discern those that's, two things. And that's what's tricky. I, I don't have the answer to this either, and I'm fascinated by it because to me there's, there's times when, like in the same way that Cheeto like, barks at the mailman because that's just... Mm-hmm. What you do if your dog? Yeah, it's not based on like having really thought it through or anything. It's just like instinct. And I yeah. think sometimes we get these these like uh, this is bad uh-huh. feeling, but coming from something in our maybe not instinct, but something in our training or our socializing that says that this should be scary. And the same yeah. way that like you know white women walking down the street and see a black guy behind them will like sometimes tense up because mm-hmm. of just internal just because of racism mm-hmm. not because that guy did anything right. or, or, and then on the rare on the, like the rare occasions where something bad does happen I've heard people say shit like this like oh I should have known and like mm-hmm. it, it, like in that kind of if something bad does happen when you had a racist thought then mm-hmm. it vind, then it like vindicates your racism right and then it gives you the feeling of like I should have trusted my gut Mm-hmm. I guess that's what that's the thing we have I'm our thinking. triggers we all have our triggers we bring to or we have all of our but also I mean I'm thinking of like Malcolm Gladwell's book Blink okay. where he basically talks about the whole book is about split second judgment snap judgments yeah and he surveys like really like people who made really bad snap judgments like the police who killed Amadou Diallo yeah when shot him 41 times when he had a wallet rather than a gun yeah. going into his house um well, they made a snap judgment. Why was it so wrong? Then he has people who, there's a psychiatrist who can sit and look at a couple for 10 seconds and tell you if they're going to stay together in five years. Right. And they're always right, you know. Um, knowing what to look for in your snap judgments is right. like, okay. that, that's the art. There's so there's a whole book about, there's an, art. Okay. there's an art to it so that you're looking at the right things versus the wrong things. Sure. Um, I do feel like there's, for me, honestly, it's just like being in touch with my body. Like if it's, if it's this feeling in my gut that, that something is really like wrong at least that needs to be paid attention to totally. and then I could decide oh I'm feeling that because I'm worried about a conflict that might happen between me and my bandmate well that's something we can talk about right right that's and that's, that's like controllable and you can't address it unless you don't unless you know what it is right register like my gut feeling says something is wrong here but I think you don't you probably don't leave it there right why is something wrong well because this person I don't think has a good plan okay, yeah. and it could be a very bad situation for us oh well then that's something you should listen to but right. now it's just my habit to be like nervous about this right, thing right. so well, maybe not yeah. well I, th- I was thinking of two nights ago I played in Fort Collins and I played at uh, Downtown Artery mm-hmm. and I played there before and both of the shows that I played there before I always felt like the digs are really awesome like it's a great room Mm-hmm. They, everyone's really nice, but nobody came out. Like I'd play like five, five or ten people or something. You know, I'm just like usually they have 
they put Denver bands on, which mm-hmm. were locals. Yeah. And I just always felt like, well, it was fine, but like, it doesn't really work. And then this time, I was hoping it would be better. Yeah. We really talked about it, and I was like, yeah. I really want to do this, but this is what's happened in the past. And I think the first time, at least, there was a guarantee, and then the second time, maybe there wasn't. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, I mean, if I'm going to maybe pay play for five people, and I don't want to do a door deal, you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah. um, so we talked, and it felt really good, like, that the people involved were really addressing my concerns, and, like, going to make this much better, and they got this band, this, like, local band on it that I was stoked to hear and everything. And then when I got there, have you been to this place? Have you been... Is it? It's been renamed. Is that the old uh, Starlight? It might be. There's definitely like. It was at a theater. Uh huh. It's got a marquee that looks like it was an. Old it was theater. on the main. It's on College Street, I think. Um, it's like just off of College. It's on. I forget what. There's like a diagonal street that's just off. But, um, yeah. anyway, it's a large place, and there's a lot going on. I think they have like a nonprofit. It's involved in a lot of things. There's mm-hmm. there's artist studios upstairs. They oh, is it part of the music district? It's not part of that. Oh, no, okay. no, it's not part of that. It's not too far from there, but it's it's a different thing. Mm-hmm. But there's artist studios. There's like an Airbnb that they run out of the upstairs. Um, there's a main the main stage is downstairs, but then there's a gallery. Okay. There's just a lot going on. Yeah. And when I got there, I couldn't find anybody who actually knew anything about the show. And I started to get this bad feeling. Like, the guy that's sweeping up when I show up, he's just, like, sweeping the patio. It's like, hey, I'm just checking in. I'm just going to load in. Uh-huh. And and I, we talked about doing using a different space. Instead of the... They had something else going on in the main stage, and we are doing uh-huh. this upstairs show. But I And I'd been there before, but I didn't really know. There's a lot of rooms, and I wasn't yeah. sure which room the show was in. And he didn't know either. Uh-huh. And so, like, okay, well, is... Caitlin here that's who I had been dancing yeah. with no no she won't be here like she does the booking but she doesn't usually come to the show mm-hmm. she has a lot going on I'm like okay that's fine and like will and then I'm like going back over the email and it's like oh Tara's the one who's running the show is mm-hmm. Tara here mm-hmm. actually Tara doesn't work here anymore <laughs> okay and yeah. I'm like who's running the show and the guy was like well, what do you need and I was like I need to know that there's somebody running the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. like, I don't know. Like, nothing right now. I don't need anything. Yeah. I just need to know where the show is yeah. to bring my gear there. Yeah. And I started getting this really bad feeling, is all I'm saying. Like, yeah. that, like, ah, oh, this is going to be a disaster. Yeah. And then it wasn't. It was uh, okay. just like, I, I didn't think I was there that early, but I just had gotten there before the people who were involved with the show had gotten there. And then, yeah. Like, the bar, the upstairs bartender got there and she was the one who was going to be like settling up at the end of the night and we talked and that was, there was no, there was no issue. It was all good. There was a guy that were doing the door, met him. There was another guy that I had been emailing with who wasn't like in official capacity there, but just sort of like overseeing things and making sure everything was cool. Mm-hmm. It was totally fine. And the show yeah. was good. Like a good amount of people came out. The other band was cool. Everything was totally fine. But I just, before it, I'm just I'm just saying I, I agree with you as far as it's like trying to identify what it is. Right. But in that situation I was like, ah, I should not. And part of the feeling was I've already played here two other times. I should know better. Like mm-hmm. this is on me. Mm-hmm. If I've already had shows go pretty badly <laughs> yeah. twice before and then I decided to do it again, then that's that's totally on me. Yeah. What was I thinking? But then I was completely wrong and it 
I was just, for whatever reason, the first person that I, the first couple people that I tried to talk to, just, they were, it's just like a big place where it yeah. wasn't all unified. It's like, people have different jobs there, and they weren't specifically involved in my show. But then when those people showed up, it was, it was good. Somehow that's sparking something of like, show, or like, people or shows with whom you always have bad experiences, but then you just, for some reason, keep doing them anyway. <laughs> right. I don't, I'm, I don't I'm, not, I'm not quite able to conjure it up, but there's, I feel like there's a, either an entity or like a venue that is like that for me, where it's like, why do I keep doing this? <laughs> right. Um, right. It's like something's always going to go wrong. Uh, yeah. Shoot, I'm not. But I can see too where you brought up, when you brought up this recipe with, where you involve activism, I can see too where like, you believe in a cause mm-hmm. and then you want to be somebody who takes whatever privilege whatever power you have and and puts it towards this this cause right and then that can then sometimes also cloud your judgment as to whether or not it'll be a good right. show right 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 but I I wonder are there also situations where maybe it wasn't a great experience for you but you still feel like well, but we did something that yeah, I mean, and those to me aren't bad shows. There's a ton of those. Right, okay. And that's why, um, you know, I kind of don't bring those up. The, the first one with the basketball court kind of was that because right. it was a great time. You know, it was a wonderful event, wonderful people, and I was happy to be there. Right. Um, and so it's just, you know, pe- people who don't have tech, they don't have a venue. They're inviting you to come do something in a non-traditional setting. Yeah. And there's no reason that they should know all that stuff. Right. Um it's usually people who are volunteering their time too, you know. Right, right. So that that I just generally feel pretty good about, and just it's I find it. Fu- I got to the point where I think it's funny. I'm kind of like, <laughs> right. this is why I wanted there to be a podcast called Worst Show Ever because I was like, <laughs> I, someone has to at least hear about hear these stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but also, and I also love how as a performer, like, you know, those moments where you're like, I'm paying my dues right now. This is dues paid. <laughs> <laughs> this is like exactly what it means. It means that the mic goes out. I mean, we had a show in Wyoming. That actually I loved because like a bunch of our mics weren't working, um, a bunch of our equipment wasn't working, but the mics weren't working, and so there was like of three or four of us, there was maybe one mic, so we had to keep passing it, and then like <laughs> had to like get together in the right place, right. and I just loved it because that was there was always this fun element of like oh better time for my line better run over there pass it to him you know just <laughs> I love that shit it just, right, right. just makes it makes it exciting <laughs> yeah that that just somehow brought this memory of. Uh, man, I saw. Do you know Stanley Jordan? Mm-hmm. Or kind of. He's a like jazz guitar player, and I, someone just reminded me. I I was at a festival like last month. Who reminded me of this show? Was at a this was at a Live Oak Music Festival down on the Central Coast. Uh-huh. I was like probably eighteen, and I didn't know a lot of jazz. I was like just getting into jazz, and he, he blew my mind. I was like uh-huh. in love with this performance. But there was a point where the lights went out for some mm-hmm. reason. Like, not all the power, like the sound stayed on, but just the lights just like went totally black. Yeah. For for like probably 30 seconds or a minute or something. And he didn't skip a beat. He just, just like, going. he was in the middle of a song, he kept playing the song, and the lights came back on. That's <laughs> like, awesome. And it was so, it kind of made it, even though it wasn't on purpose. Yeah. It made it sort of dramatic. And one, it spoke to him as a performer. Like, we were like, that's how fucking boss this dude is. Yeah. That the lights just go out and he doesn't go, oh shit, what's going on? He just keeps playing. 
doesn't need to see apparently at all his right. instrument, you know, and and just keeps playing. And then it kind of became this triumph that he didn't intend. That like mm-hmm. right. that we all felt like we just we just made it through this little obstacle with yeah no, no we no skips. We had a show in Fort Collins. Um, we've played this thing called Bohemian Nights a lot of times, and one of our first. Or I think our first time headlining it, um, it was like, you know, I think there's probably 10,000 people there at that point. Yeah. And, you know, the huge sound system, obviously, like out, outside, public yeah. festival, free. Um, and we're in the middle of the song by the time you get this message. And it's, I think I'm the very beginning of a, of a verse. And the whole stage power shuts off. And I was doing the verse. And I just couldn't stop doing the I'm like... I'm not going to stop the verse. And the, so all the power shuts off. For sure, most of the 10,000 people could hear nothing. Right. But the front three <laughs> rows, I know they could hear, and I know they could see it, and I just like just like plowed into that verse and just went as hard as I could all the way to the end of the verse. Yeah. Um, and I think a very small segment of us <laughs> felt that sense of like victory and triumph. Just like, I don't need to stop. I still have my voice, yeah. and I can finish this verse. Um and I don't know, something about that just felt incredible, yeah. you know. Did the power come back on? I don't remember. It took a while. It wasn't like, it wasn't oh, then the power comes on and the song picks up. It was, no, it was like we had to stop for a little bit. <laughs> okay. And, uh, you know, we got to return to the show. But, yeah, yeah. Um, but that, those shows are crazy because there's almost always lightning that happens up there. Like two years in a row, the band before us had pretty much their whole set, like, erased because there was an order for everyone to evacuate the streets because of a lightning scare oh, sure. and for one of them it was like their last show ever it was like come celebrate our very last show oh, and they started the show like 10 minutes in it's like <laughs> everyone needs to vacate the streets because of lightning <laughs> and the way it works is they don't like, you don't then resume okay. so they just were done and we yeah, just started so twice two years in a row it was like alright Everyone's like, game on! <laughs> Get in the flow bots! And it's kind of awesome because everyone just comes pouring back into the streets right. and suddenly we play. Oh, man. But so I wanted to maybe wrap up by talking about the... You mentioned this... Um, the sheet that you have that you give, like, if you're going to oh. perform. So that... And I'm curious about that because you you sort of also were talking about the, these places where things keep going wrong which keep going back. Yeah. But that, to me, kind of represents this attempt to like still be able to do the things that you want to do and like contribute to the things that you care about. Yeah. And like you were saying, these, these folks who shouldn't know how to put on a show because they're not show promoters. Right. That's not what they do. They're doing this other important work that you value. Yeah. That sort of, I take it that sort of maybe the way that you manage to keep doing what you do, but then just, be able to ask more questions beforehand. <laughs> yeah, I mean, on the one hand, it's kind of like we all have dreams, and if if someone's dream involves us or involves me, yeah, like as me as a performer or the band as a as a group of performers, um, I mean that is an honor to begin with, right? right. Like that's we're fortunate that anyone would include us in in some dream that they have, whether it's like celebrating a a bir- someone's birthday or a celebrating the graduation of a middle school or whether it's someone's music festival. Yeah. Um, you know, we played a music festival recently on a reservation in New Mexico. It was a right. youth festival um, where we had no idea there was any audience out there because it turned out later everyone was in their cars. Like, at the, it, was the edge, it was in a park, and at the edge of the park, there were all these people in cars. Okay. 
And so then there was all this honking, which, and we thought, why is everyone honking? Well, they're honking because <laughs> they liked the show. It was like drive-in concert. Okay. Um, but anyway, so it's an honor to be part of people's dreams. And sometimes the survey is basically like, try to uncover their delusions. <laughs> so one of the questions was like, do you expect, who is the audience? Are they required to be there or are they there of their own free will? <laughs> and will they, wait, wait, wait. Like, like, is this a class that they have to go to or okay, are they like, okay. there by choice? Right. And what reason do you have to believe that they might like us or our music <laughs> or have heard of us? Because <laughs> I've gone back just as, you know, as a speaker to where a teacher from my old high school is like, come talk to the class, they'll love it. And then she just tells them, you guys are going to be so excited. Now we have something completely fun, some music, yeah. Johnny Five. And I'm like, all right, well, I'm not going to do music. I'm just going to talk to them. But you just set it up like music. They don't know who I am. You just know who I am. You know, so I'm like, <laughs> let's deconstruct your expectations and your right, delusions. Right. Um, so, it, it, you know, it's trying to get to the bottom of all that. Um, but I do think that, like, because it actually is something that I value, that we value in the band, we've, asked, we've actually sought it out by design. Um, my favorite tour that we've ever done was this three-week tour called the Detour in Colorado. Yeah. Um, and out of three weeks, we only did, I think, nine shows, and the rest were these kind of community workshops. Yeah. So we knew we were going to be doing church basements. We were going to be playing in like a, you know, this old this thing called the tank, this big metal water tank in, in uh, western Colorado. Okay. Um, we were doing middle school assemblies. Yeah. We were doing like tiny community centers. Yeah. And by definition, it was all unpredictable. It was all amateur. It right. was all unclear who was going to show up. Right. And we sought that out and we, we wanted that and we rolled with it. Yeah. Um, and the first actual concert actually was one of our worst shows too because <laughs> we had to set up all the sound. It was in a park. We were playing with a new player. We did not, <laughs> we did not have the... Um, the parts down or the new player didn't have all the parts down and right. there was a moment of just repeating one set of lyrics like just psych- looping them until like the band could get them just born in the flood bloody fingers oh oh born in the flood bloody f- oh here we go one two three born you guys got it just kind of walking in a circle waiting for someone to like graft onto someone else um, yeah. but but we knew that experience was going to be like reaching people who never got shows that right. people weren't it's not just that Tr- Trinidad Colorado wasn't getting people to come through for shows we went to Joe's Colorado we went to you know a town of 40 people we went to a gym in the the neighboring town from Joe's Colorado and did right. some so we we were actually wanting to see like what can we do that's off the beaten path off the predictable right. stage and like see ourselves as more than just performers on a stage but actually like people engaging with communities right where they were right where right. and yeah that was like one of my favorite tours we've ever done right yeah because of that that's really really cool yeah man thank you so much for being a part of my little dream absolutely yeah yeah I'm excited to hear how it turns out yeah well yeah thanks for having me here sure thing yeah sweet Cheeto the dog yeah at Cheeto the dog <laughs> This episode of Worst Show Ever was made possible by the Patreon pledges of Joanna Flyman, Meg Roberts, Christina Perez, and Evan Quayberg. If you'd like to support this endeavor, please go to patreon.com slash worst 
Shout out.